Hey everyone, it's Brian Bogner and the most amazing Greg Towner again for our 20 minute market breakdown. Now this episode, of course, is at the end of 2023. Uh, it's an important one. It's probably gonna go a little bit longer than 20 minutes because what we're gonna be covering during this episode are the most important questions when it comes to the market, when it comes to the economy for 2024. Okay, and what we're looking at. If you if you've been following us for a while, you know we don't make forecasts. We're not telling you what's you know what our projections are, things like that. But we think these are the most important questions. Here's our thoughts on it. Here's how we're positioned for it uh, for the next year. So sit down, listen. You may want to take some notes on this one. It's going to be a good one. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, let's jump right into this, Greg. Uh, I think probably the number one question that I certainly hear the most, I know the Fed met today, we're recording this uh, December 13th, Fed met this afternoon, about 30 minutes ago, and uh, or not meet, they released their, uh, their whatever, yeah, they, they've been meeting and they released their, uh, uh, whatever they call it. All right. But will we have a recession in 2024, Gregory Towner? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's cut right to the chase. Uh, I'll say no, but let's uh, let's get into yeah. that a little more. I mean, I know we've been we've been talking about this question, you know, of late, and lots of people have, of course. And and the reason being is because I mean, if you look at years when or periods where there are recessions, you know, stock market it's much worse for stocks. So it's as simple as that. Beyond the obvious of you know recessions, you know, people lose jobs and you know, all of that. So you know, if we go back a little over a year ago, I mean, if you look at what economists were calling for this year nearly all of them thought we'd be in recession by now. And of course they were quite wrong. You know, now the expectations are much more mixed. I think people are thinking that things could hold up a little bit better. I mean, I think the more and more we look at data and hear things, we're getting more and more positive about the economy. I mean, let's look at jobs. I mean, cause when you, when you talk about recession, you know, really you're ultimately talking about jobs for the most right. part. And we're now at 35 straight months of job growth okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're at 22 straight months of the unemployment rate being below four percent i mean that's right. the best since the 1960s and, and there's a lot of other data as well you know credit markets are, are doing quite well you know railroad traffic we've been seeing improving uh you know here we're in the holiday period now the sales data coming out from you know the black friday and cyber monday and all that is coming in strong I mean, you could find a million data points that, you know, would question all this and people say, oh, hey, look at this comment from this right. company. But on the whole, uh, the data is coming in healthy, if not even improving, perhaps. So yeah. our best guess right now, subject to change, is we don't see a recession in the near term. Yeah. I mean, the consumer is still strong. I mean, it's just the reality of it, right? This holiday season, we're all seeing it. I don't care where you go. Parking lots are packed. Hotels are packed. Restaurants are packed. People are spending money. So, yeah. you know, um, it's still, uh, we're still a consumer driven economy, right? Right. Exactly. All right. So great answer. Thank you. Um, the other thing I would say, number two, which could be even a number one, um, what is, cause we are certainly getting asked this a lot. What, what's your thoughts on inflation? Yeah, this has been the hot topic for what, maybe 18 months, 24 months now. And there's no question it, it, it drives people crazy, you know, paying more for things, understandably so. You know, right now, as we look at like the CPI, the consumer price index, it, it's come down here at about 3%. You know, just this morning, we had the producer price index come down to around 2%. So we're back to about historical 
price levels or increase right. levels here, but they're still increasing in general. But, you know, we're actually seeing deflation, decreasing prices in a handful of areas. You know, appliances, if you need to go buy a refrigerator and that, prices have been coming down. Uh, used cars have been coming down. You know, both anecdotally as well as, you know, uh, seeing some data, there's just more and more sales. You know, grocery stores, you know, other stores, you're seeing more sales that, you know, weren't available before. So, I mean, to us, we think inflation has some more room to come down. Obviously, gasoline prices have been coming down. Uh, we're seeing some data on rents for apartments have been actually coming down. I'm not talking about, you know, the rate of increase declining. I'm talking about actual decreases in rents. So we think there's room for inflation to come down more. We will throw out an important caveat, though, Brian. <laughs> As we look out further, you know, wages right now are increasing faster than inflation. People may not realize that. For most of this year, wages are increasing faster. So if the U.S. consumer has money in their pocket, they're, they're going to spend Right. So that may drive inflation. And, and But I think the other thing to keep in mind too, and you said it earlier, is that there's actual the price and then there's the rate of change. Right. So so like if, if we were at a period where inflation was 8% and now we're down to 2%, it, you know, I think a lot of, in a lot of people's minds, you know, they're like, well, I'm still paying more for groceries than I was paying right. three years ago. So inflation has right. not come down. No, that rate of growth change has come down considerably Right. But I think a lot of people are, are, want to revert yeah. back to what the prices were before. Right. That doesn't that doesn't equate necessarily into inflation coming down. Right. And and not only that, but isn't it interesting? You know, we talk a lot about the behavior side is, you know, people always focus on the negatives more than the positives. So like, right. yeah, you're right. A lot of things do cost more now than three or four years ago. But what about for most people, your incomes are probably a lot higher. Mm -hmm. The stock market, as we speak, mm -hmm. is on the verge of an all time high. Right. The price of your home has probably gone up in many multiples, you know. So, yes, there's a lot of people that are suffering from inflation and it's frustrating, you know, when you go buy your blueberries and it's, you know, 50% more than you paid four years ago. But there's a lot of positives, too. Let's talk a little bit about interest rates, because um, I know that um, obviously they have gone through the, you know, they've, they've moved up short term, long term. Everything's moved up. We've gotten a little bit of reprieve on the long end here. Uh, you know, mortgages has come down a little bit and the 10 years dropped. What are your thoughts there? I mean, for our entire careers, Brian, and really even before that, interest rates were declining, right? I mean, it just kept coming down and down. Until... For, some, for some people, their entire lives, not careers, yeah. you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Until about two years ago when rates went to, you know, essentially zero for, across the board. Right. And that, then they had a two-year spike. Everybody's lost prices or value in their bonds. And so now we've seen money just flow into the money market funds and, the, you know, the, the rates that are in those. In fact, I saw a statistic this year of the 30 mutual funds that attracted the most money, 25 of them were money market funds. Mm. So there is a lot of cash that is hiding in, you know, short-term money because of the, the move up in interest rates right. that we think could be potentially go to stocks. But, you know, more specifically about rates, I mean, Rates, you know, came up hard over the last couple of years. Now here in the last couple of months, they've been consolidating as, as you know, inflation has come down. We think there's probably some more room for rates to come down a little bit further. Right. right. But we'll caution people to think that, oh, they're going to go way back down to those super low rates again. That was abnormal. You know, you hear us talk a lot about normal, abnormal. You know, we think rates coming down to, you know, the, the, somewhere 4% or even 3.5%, you know, maybe that is going to be a more appropriate range. But, you know, there, there can be pullbacks within the, the greater structure of an upward trend. And so I think it's a difficult call, but we think rates could come down a little bit more next year. 
But within the context of looking out, you know, maybe rates go up a little bit more down the road. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so that's, you know, when we talk about interest rates, and I, I know a lot of times this confuses people, but they look at the Fed. Well, really, when we're talking about interest rates, we tend to be looking more at the the, the longer term, right? The the 10 year note, yeah. uh, treasury note and things like that. The, but then there is the Fed as well on the short end, right? So um, they, they've been held in steady. They held steady again today. Uh, the thinking now is they may cut rates on the short end here at some point. Any thoughts around that? Yeah, that, that's a good way to differentiate things. You know, we've been in the, this inverted yield curve for a while where the short end is higher than the longer end. I think you could see that reverse when the Fed does finally start to cut rates. You know, if the, if the economy stays solid, other rates, you know, may not go down all that much more. And then the Fed rate comes down and that's, a, that would be a healthy sign. So yeah, the, the Fed is is probably going to keep standing pat where they are for the time being. Market thinks they maybe start to cut rates, you know, March, April, something like that. That's possible. I, I think they're probably going to take their time and hopefully they're able to take their time because <laughs> you look back over history, a lot of times when the Fed starts cutting rates, it's because they have to, there's a recession. But if they're able to, to, to stick the landing here, you know, have the proverbial soft landing and we and many others have been critical of the Fed in a lot of ways, but you know, to give them credit, it, it looks like an increasing chance. They may have ultimately nailed this. If they can do, you know, lower the rates a little bit here in the spring throughout next year, the Fed rate, uh, without, you know, creating, you know, any kind of havoc on the recession side, they may be able to pull this off where the, you know, you can still get decent rates on your, on your cash and your savings, but lowering, you know, maybe the rates that people have to pay on a mortgage and all of that. So there's a chance we could see the Fed kind of, get the best of both worlds next year. And, and, and that's increasing as a potential base case, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit about the stock market. Uh, so, you know, this year has been dominated by the, the, the term, the magnificent seven, right? <laughs> Basically seven stocks and the S and P right. 500 have been, you know, pretty much driving the whole show for all 500 yeah. stocks there. Um, what do you think, you know, as we look into this next year, uh, that magnificent seven, will they, will they continue to dominate or potentially take a back seat? I mean, there's been so many interesting charts and data points that we've come across around all of this. I mean, just for example, uh, this is through, I think late November, you know, the, the S and P seven, let's call them the seven largest stocks. I like magnificent seven. Well, just, you know, I don't know. I, like I know, <laughs> but those seven were up on an average 80% this year through November. Whereas the other 493 stocks in the S&P uh, averaged, you know, were basically flat, you know, yeah. and those seven largest stocks made up 30% of the S&P an all time record. So a lot of unusual activity happening there, you know, recently here, just in the last few weeks, we fortunately started to see some other areas pick up. And that is what our bet is, so to speak for next year. Mm -hmm. We think the breadth of the market is going to keep broadening. The, the stocks that have been ignored or left behind are starting to gain some momentum. We think that will continue in the next year. And that doesn't mean those Magnificent Seven are going to crash or anything like that. We don't see it that way. We own a number of those stocks in certain portfolios. But we think it's important for investors to remember that at any given time, there can be a great difference between a big difference between a great company and a great stock, right? So these companies can keep dominating their fields. Everybody can keep buying and using their products. 
but maybe the stocks got too far ahead of themselves. They were too right. expensive. You know, it can happen the other direction too at times, you know, things are, you know, cheap, but we think those stocks can keep, you know, the companies can keep doing well, but maybe the stocks are no longer as a group, the leadership next year, and maybe some other areas gain some steam. I mean, if you really think about, okay, we all know that the mark, the market as a whole was down in 2022. Okay. I mean, pretty much everything was down in some form or fashion. Okay. For the, for the most part. Um, and you think about this last year, 2023, you know, a lot of those same stocks that were down in 22 were either flat or, you know, or still kind of had a blah year as well. Right. So, you, you know, for many equity positions, you're coming off a two-year period of, eh, returns. Yeah. Um, and I think that gets lost on folks because yeah. uh, because of this. And so when you talk about the market potentially going higher next year, it could very well go higher for very different reasons than what most people are thinking. Absolutely. Well, as we talk about some of these magnificent seven, you know, some of these benefited greatly by the the push to artificial intelligence, AI that really came on the scene this year. And I know, you know, our, our investment team, we obviously spend a good amount of time evaluating how that affects mm -hmm. things from an investment standpoint, but specifically, Brian, you've spent a lot of time on AI, you know, how it evaluates, yeah. you know, our business here or other businesses. So I'd love to hear you know, what impact yeah. you think AI will have in the next year or so. Yeah. You know, when I first, I was like, oh, fooey, bah humbug about this whole AI thing and it's a fad and everything like that. And then the more I dug in, the more I realized, oh, no, 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 this is an actual game changer and right. knowledge based, knowledge based industries, which, you know, is if you're not making something like you don't make an actual thing like like this is a GoPro, you're not make, making something that actually you, is tangible. AI is likely going to be radically affecting what you do. So, you know, as we look out this next year, I mean, think about it a year ago, we weren't even talking about this stuff. Okay. And think about what's happened in the last year and just how much uh, folks are talking about it. But I, I think a few things are going to happen this next year. Um, I think you're going to see, you know, one of the problems with AI right now, it's kind of hard to understand. There's this chat GPT, there's this cloud AI, there's this thing, there's that. It's not a, it's not a nicely packaged user-friendly interface thing, you know, like like that we get with a nice app on our phone, right? We get a nice thing in, it's easy to use, it's fun to play right. with, whatever yeah. like that. AI is not there yet, right? We don't have that right. experience yet with it. And I think this next year, companies are gonna, are gonna do it because you have all these large language models that that run all this stuff and there's, there's open source models and there's all these models, there's all these models out there that are learning and all this other stuff and things like that. I think, in, you know, that kind of gets a little bit commoditized and then it's just going to be like, who can make these really cool user interface type things that allow people to finally interact with it? Because I'm still amazed as many people, you know, most people went on ChatGPT, typed out a thing, said, oh, this is cool. And then they haven't used it again, right? Because it's right. on a browser, it's this and that okay. or whatever. So I think I think you're going to see that potentially change. Microsoft, when they roll out their co-pilot, right? And, and it's going to be on everyone. Like most people use 365 for work. And that AI thing is going to be sitting right there for everything that you do. I think it will be a game changer for a lot of folks. Um, you know, what's interesting in the business world is a lot of large organizations, they're not even in the ballpark. I mean, mm -hmm. if, you, if you look at a, a small firm, like you, you got very small firms, this AI thing is changing so quick and fast that as a small firm, you can kind of, Go along and, and and track along with it. But if you're this massive organization and you gotta you gotta change policy and procedure and bring people in and this and that or whatever, sure. um, you know. So I think I think it's you know I think that the, the technology is gonna get there and then there's just gonna be all of these firms trying to play catch up 
to figure out what they need to do with that. The wild card this next year will be regulation. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, look, we're, we're still trying to get our regulators to regulate social media and all the junk that happens on that thing. And that still hasn't been done uh, very well. And so now we're going to ask them to regulate AI. So who knows? I feel like that's a wild card of what mm -hmm. comes out this year. But the number one question I always get asked about AI is, you know, are, is my job safe? Is my job safe? Is my job safe? And I always say the same thing. If you deal with people, then your job is safe because AI will never cannot recreate empathy and human emotion and connect emotionally with people. They just can't. If you don't and you sit in a back room and you do something that is data driven or repeatable, there's a good chance that AI, I, I don't think it'll be next year, but in the next two to three years, there's a good mm -hmm. chance that that whatever you're doing will likely be phased out. So um, I don't think this is going away. I don't think this is a fad. I think it's here to stay. And I think this next year, um, you know, the, the year, 2023 was just a lot of people discovering this stuff. This next year, we're kind of, we're kind of going to, I think, trudge through it a little bit. And then I, I actually think it's probably 25. I mean, I say that, but you know, that when we really start to see like actual real human problems are being solved on a regular basis every day by, by some AI solution. So we'll put this on the list for next year to ask again, you know, it's going to, every year, I think it's going to be, what's the new AI development type of thing. We, we probably could do this quarterly and, and have a completely yeah, different conversation each quarter, you know, about right. what's happening and right. going on to be honest with you. But I know that was a long answer, but I love this stuff. I love reading it and yeah, um, it's good. hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. All right. Speaking of next year, Greg, and we're going to yeah. we'll close out with this because um, I know we're going to get asked this not one time, not 10 times, not 50 times, not 100 times, not a million times. Well, probably a million times we're going to get talking about this, but we're going into an election year. Okay. And um, of course, you know, everybody will say, what do you think? You know, if this person wins or that person wins or this person wins, how's it going to affect the markets and this and that. So you know, how many times are we going to have to remind folks of just how far down the list of importance uh, an actual presidential election is when it comes to the markets and the economy? Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, this is so far down our list, we wouldn't have even included it on here other than we're trying to stave off some of those uh, questions, <laughs> honestly. But, you know, fortunately, you know, we have the, the important data points over the last, you know, a couple elections here to point back to investors and say, hey, look, look again, let's remind ourselves of, you remember when you didn't want to invest or your neighbor didn't want to invest that was on the other, you know, favoring the other candidate. And then look what happened immediately after, you know, two couldn't be more different candidates in 16 and 20 each one and the market, you know, essentially did the same thing going straight up right out of the gate. And, you know, if you look back over history, you know, elections and who's in office it mattered very little, you know, maybe a little bit on the edges here and there, you could make some arguments for, but for the most part, you know, not to say it has just zero importance, but it's so far down the list right. of importance that we just think that investors should be reminded that, it's such an emotional thing these days, you know, that's yeah. so divisive that to allow it to creep into your financial decisions is just probably going to do you a disservice. And if you say, well, I'll wait and make a decision afterwards, well, then, then you may have, you know, missed an opportunity. So we'll provide a lot more of this data as the year goes on, but we just want to kind of get out in front of it and say, Hey, don't forget what's happened the last couple elections and, and, right. you know, because ignore the behavior. 
the what 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 the what the mainstream thought's going to be is that, you know maybe you're faced with a financial decision or you're faced with something that you want to do and you're like well I'm going to wait till after the election I'm going to wait till after the dust settles I'm going to wait till after this and that and mm-hmm. and people that have done that the past two elections were wrong 100 wrong mm-hmm. now does that mean it's going to be exactly the same way I don't know but there's enough data there to your point that if you're saying I'm going to wait till after the election till things settle um, that's just to make you feel good. That that's right. not a, a a financial decision based on any type of data or historical fact or anything like that. So right. be careful there. All right, Greg. What uh, we always close these shows out with uh, some recommendations. What do you got for us today? I'm going to keep it real simple here, Brian. I mean, I know this has been a crazy year in the financial markets. I'm sure everybody listening's had you know busy life in their own personal lives. Everybody take these next week or two here as we wind up the year through the holidays, spend a little time with family, friends, and arguably most importantly, just yourself, you know, taking some time to kind of regroup, de-stress and recharge for what I'm sure is going to be an exciting, eventful, and hopefully prosperous year for everybody next year. So take some time to, you know, enjoy the, the holiday period. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm going to just, for my recommendation, I'm going to ditto exactly what you said. I'm just going to add, you know, I do think 24 is going to be a crazy year. I mean, it is an election year and each election gets more crazier. And because we're on social media and all these things, there's just so much emotion that gets flying around and all kinds of stuff is happening. So yes, take these next two weeks. And I, I'd even go a step further too and say, ground yourself in some gratitude. Really look look at what's around you and be grateful and thankful for what you have and where you're at and spend some time there and root yourself in that foundation as we get into the um, in the next year. So on that note, we will call it. Thank you so much for listening to the 20, maybe it was 25 minutes. I wasn't timing it, but I know it's a little bit longer than normal uh, uh, podcast for this year. And we will talk to you again likely next year. All right. <laughs> See ya.